This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome, everyone. Tennis.com Podcast. Uh, we're back. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Richard Pagliaro, Pete Bodo, uh, getting well into the swing of 2013. Patrick Avidova already has two losses, so it's, you know, you're, you are knee-deep in the year at this point. That's it's a pretty strong statistic already, but uh, anyways... Uh, we catch up before the first slam of the year, um, you know, coming off of the U.S. Opens that we all go to and rain seems to really just plague this tournament, especially the week before. We're talking about New Haven, events like that that can't deal with rain, else they're going to run into the tournament. Australia got this heat going on, a huge heat wave. Um, and like you said, Pete, you made a good point, which I didn't think about, is that, you know, these tournaments don't have the room to to have these days that could be canceled because of bad heat and that could be a really dangerous issue i think as you pointed out too well yeah on top of, on top of the on top of their problem they have with that you have to look at their policy i mean the extreme heat policy is at the discretion of the tournament director which is kind of bizarre plus to have a complicated formula for arriving at the extreme heat policy i don't know that it's i don't know that it's spelled out frankly but i know it takes into account humidity even radiation solar radiation because i guess there's a big hole in the ozone above australia that's been known for a long time so but the thing is i think they're really playing with fire because if you have if you have this kind of a situation where, you know, imagine if somebody kills over. Yes, the other day it was 106 degrees, and a number of of, of uh, players were treated for heat exhaustion. Now imagine if somebody, you know, heaven forbid, somebody kills over and has like a career-ending, you know, oxygen to the brain-related injury because of the heat. I mean, just just think of the liability for the tournament or for the ATP or anyone like that. So I don't know. I, I kind of wish there was things were a little more clearly spelled out in terms of the heat policy, and I wish I had more confidence at the tournament would have, you know, the, the, I guess the ethical sense to, to say, you know what, it's going to really screw us up and it's going to screw up the Australian Open for some of these people, but we, we can't play today. Yeah, and, and the Aus, you know, obviously the Australian Open has a long history with uh, heat um, index. I can't think of the right, right word, but, the, you know, they have a, a set point, I believe, that when they call play um, across the grounds for those, you know, the exceptions being under the roof, at whatever. But we've always seen how much heat impacts that turn. It's just, you know, it's a part of the event there and all that. Um, it also, that that kind of brings to mind just fitness in general for players this this time of the year. Thinking about players who, who haven't actually played, like Federer, for example, you know, he has not played um, a pro event, even an ex, even a exhibition. Like Hopman Cup or Kuyong up to this point. Yeah, but he's a desert warrior, right? He trains in Dubai. Yeah, so true, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there any any thought that that might impede his? Uh, I mean, Djokovic has been playing a couple of events. Murray played and won last weekend. 
you know, Rafa not to be there. But uh, what about Roger? I don't think with Roger it's going to be an issue because, like Pete said, he trains in brutal conditions in the Middle East. And he reminds me of, like, the old young Muhammad Ali where he'd spar with one guy for, like, eight rounds and bring in a fresh guy. I mean, Federer, bring in two, three sparring partners that are fresh to keep it going. To me, Sharapova it might be a little bit of a concern. She looks really fit, but, you know, having not played a match since October and, you know, missing the XO, missing Brisbane, you know, that could be a little bit of a concern with them. Again, women's, it's two out of three and not three out of five. Yeah, well, yeah that's right. And she has a tremendous three-set record last year as well, so, so she's able to sort of fight her way through her. At least last year she was. It's a mental battle too, you know, so you're yeah. looking at some of these guys yeah. who you, you look at the guys who have really kind of had a tendency to fade in five setters. I mean, Sanga, regrettably, is a pretty good example of a guy who, at least until pretty recently, was... You know, the longer the match went on, the greater the chance that he would fade. Now, you get guys like that out there, you know, ex- in, in extreme heat, down two, set, two sets to one, you know, and st- yeah, you got to wonder how it's going to affect their motivation. Right. So, And he's a top-heavy guy like Philip Hussis was. And remember when Dolgo beat Sign, you're like, geez, how is Dolgo going to beat Sign? Right. You know, it's just physically, he's just carrying more weight, you know. Well, what about, um, since we brought him up here, Murray, and what he, uh, you know, nice win last week, of course. And I think, you know, come he's, you know, the last Grand Slam champion at the Open. Um, I think some people are, are probably putting him, tabbing him over Federer as maybe the second favorite to Djokovic in Melbourne. You know, do you, do you think that's true, Pete? Um, you know, his status as opposed to, you know, Federer, who, you know, traditionally has always found a way to want to win out over Murray, but, you well, know, based on rep, you have to, you know, put fed into that, you know, uh, pencil him in as the, uh, number two favorite basically. But I mean, actually in a real world, I would actually go with Murray myself. And it's, and it's a big thing. Someone made a big, a great point on Twitter about it's a huge deal with these, uh, number three seats this year on both of the events, you know, where Murray, no, Raphael. En- where Murray ends up is huge. Where Serena, who is also the number three ends up yeah. is huge. And, uh, the, so the draws. I wait think, a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So why is Serena huge? It's huge. She beats everybody two and one. It, well, it's whether whether you lose to her in the semifinals or the final. I suppose if you're, uh, you know, if Azarenka or Sharapova get that far there, um, you know, Serena also cleans up last week too. Um, I watched that match her against Sloane Stephens, um, and of course did not watch a match against Azarenka because it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah, that was. Um, you know, I wonder if that's a. Hey, give, Murray, give Murray and Serena credit for playing tournaments. And in my view, yeah. I mean, basically, yeah. I think I think Murray's really stepped up playing a tournament. He's the only guy from the from among those top three who actually played a tournament. You know, uh, Djokovic is that's a hit and giggle exhibition, even though the ITF is now sanctioned at the Hopman Club. Club, it's still you know it's kind of a fun time. You know, it's not it's not like playing a tournament for ATP points and that level of competition. I give Murray a lot of credit for doing that. What are what are some things you two are, you know? Whether it has, whether it's a player, whether it's a, you know, just seeing, I guess, live tennis again. What are some things you kind of looking forward to the next couple of weeks? You, you guys were actually talking earlier about commentators, and I was thinking, you know, how long it's been since ESPN has actually uh, covered a tournament. It's basically since the U.S. Open. You know, there's a, a, a little bit of coverage at um, the World Tour Finals, but I think after. Um, after digesting a lot of tennis channel and their, you know, kind of the world feeds for a while, that that U.S. centered broadcast where I think it can rub some people the wrong way in terms of how much coverage is given to certain things. I think they do a nice job overall, and I, I think that's one element of watching the event on TV that uh, 
you know, if you want to brave the, the graveyard shift, it does add something, I think, to the event overall. Um, what are what are some things about, I guess, this tournament that you are looking forward to, Rich? Well, I mean, from a player perspective, definitely, to me, the story is Serena going, you know, for the for the, her third straight major and the fact that she's playing doubles with Venus. And, you know, God knows, who knows with Venus, like how much longer we're, I mean, she se- seems vocally committed to keep playing, but with that illness, who knows how many more times we're going to, see them together so i'm excited about that and also because the doubles when serena plays doubles it always seems to me like she's more aggressive in terms of moving forward finishing at the net her return seems a little sharper so i think that really feeds into her whole game so i'm really encouraged to see that and and for the younger players you know i picked dimitrov as a guy to watch this year to see him come out of the box so strong like that and really finally seem like he has his head together and a guy like Nishikori I really want to see what he can do there you know I mean I know the knee you know pulling out that's going to be a concern but I really want to see what he can put together because he's had some really good moments Dimitrov there. himself beat just uh his top to bottom slate of players that he beat last week was you know as good as you're going to get in yeah. a week before a slam so. and I think for him now the challenge is doing it in a major in best of five because like we were talking earlier about the conditions, the heat, the wind. I mean, that's a big challenge for a young guy who hasn't done it previously. And then, hey, a guy like Query, we talked about him last podcast, had a pretty good win today. I realize he's playing an older guy, but still, you know, 18 aces, only losing two points on his first serve. I mean, that's encouraging, especially with the news with Isner. I was see. a little bit surprised, though, to see that uh, Dimitrov, when, when talking about and some of the quotes he had about, you know, the uh, about his achievement, getting to the final there and then talking about, well, you know, I don't know, you know, the grand slams are a different thing. It's, you know, best of five. I'm not yeah. sure I'm ready for that. I mean, it was a little, you know, I, I mean, really the kid, I, I would have said it's himself. almost a way to alleviate the pressure. Like, Hey, yeah. don't get too high on me. Cause I haven't, Right, done it exactly. in a, in, you know, I'm I, still young. I yeah. need the experience. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You're 21. You've been on a tour four years, five years. Right. No, I hear you. It really I'm is about time that, for him, Especially because you see someone like Stevens who doesn't seem to distance herself from the pressure. She seems to maybe embrace that a little bit more, which I think is, is the healthier, smarter way to go. It's, um, yeah, Stevens, I think to your point, definitely. I feel like this year is even kind of another step for her actually going up. Um, I think she's just ranked outside the seating. So that, that could be troublesome in that, you know, you could have that Serena match right away. You could have a match against right. any, but that could cut either way though. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. You could, uh, it, you know, when you're unseated, you're, you're obviously at the mercy of the draw there. Uh, Pete, what about you? Something to something to look forward to next week uh, while you're watching the late evenings. Well, I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to the coverage, you know, the, of the ESPN type coverage. You know, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I just I just like those guys. I think Cahill is really on top of his game. I think Gilbert's great. Patrick is terrific, and I like I, I'm a big fan of Chris Everett's. You know, a lot of yeah, I I, I get a lot of comments where I see a lot of comments where people are sort of complaining about her commentary and this that, but I think she just so nails it. She understands the psychology of the players and what's going on in any given moment in a match just so well. And she'll come in with, you know, she won't say, well, you know, he should have dropped ahead of his racket because on a follow through, he didn't come through. You know, she'll say something like, you can tell she's nervous. This is a spot that she'll look at her body language is doing this now. And I think her armchair psychologist, uh, attitude, which was a big part of her career and her success, I think, is is really good. So I'm really looking forward to that. In terms of, of, of players, I and mean... And one thing before you get into that is I, I think that where tennis commentators really hit it out of the park is compared to a lot of other sports. I know former athletes are there, you know, in all sports as commentators, but tennis, you know, 
some of their best athletes of all, some of the best tennis players of all time are making their way in the commentary booth, you know, Connors, Everett, for example. And you, you, it's not like you're seeing Gretzky in the booth. We had, you know, Agassi do kind of a cameo a couple of years ago. I thought that was some of the best tennis chatter I've ever heard of. And of course, McEnroe too, you know, they, they really help sell the sport well and just give analysis that you're not going to obviously find from anywhere else. Yeah, I think that I, I think that's true. I mean, in terms of the players, you know, I, I'm really curious to see. I mean, I, I'm so darn tired of waiting to see if a Berdick or a Tsonga can finally, you know, close the deal and get it done. But I think the guy who, to me, is in the most interesting position, I wrote a little bit about this today, is, is Del Potro. You know, he's really been spinning his wheels. He hasn't been beyond the quarterfinal of a major since he won the U.S. Open in 2009. And I think that's kind of disappointing to a lot of people, especially because he came back very strong. He came back very strong. He did very well. And then all of a sudden, he it's like he came up against a wall, that wall being the big four. And instead of reestablishing himself as part of a big five or, or getting to a final or, you know, he, he just – you know, he hasn't been able to do that. And now I'm, 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 I'm thinking maybe there's going to be a change because he, he had a tough Further. match with Federer at the Olympics, yeah. 1917 in the third. And then he won the bronze over Novak Djokovic. And after that, he won two tournaments, including Basel over Federer in the final, which is a pretty big ask. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for him maybe. To, it'd be interesting to see if one of those three guys can actually finally, you know, get through. And Frisanga would have to win it because he's already been in a final. Berdick, same thing. But you know, you're really looking, I think, for uh, for Del Potro. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a thing where, to all accounts, he's as healthy as he's going to be, and I think anything less than probably that quarterfinal is a, probably a, a huge disappointment at this stage in the game. I, and I would also, the say. fact that he's already not playing that first Davis Cup, he's pretty much telling you, "I'm putting, I'm going all in yes. on the majors now," which is, you know, for him probably the wisest decision. Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably a pretty good move, especially, when, you know, we have to give him a little bit of slot because of his injury problems. Right, no question right, about right, exactly. Those are authentic yeah. and, and are real and are probably a real drag for the guy. But but I, I'm, I think he really needs to make another step, and this is, you know, not a bad place to do it. Yep, yeah. I. Um, it's the time. It's the time for new things, and there's probably a, possibly a year where we're going to see where Del Potro goes one way or the other. I, I almost think it's, it's a year where the big four players – um, you know, Roth, of course, there's a lot of questions I think to be asked about a few guys Federer, We're going to see where really, what, what it really means to be elder 31 on the tour here. So it's, um, you know, it's a year that, uh, will get kickstarted right away, obviously, as it always does at the Aussie open. So I'm also curious about Kerber, you know, on the women's side, I think, uh, Kerber, you know, it's, you know, maybe her time has come. We'll have yet to see. She didn't, you know, she was knocked out, um, uh, the other the other day in, in Auckland, I think, or was it Brisbane? I'm not even sure. But you know, it'd be interesting to see if she can do anything finally. And there are a number of women I think who could who could really pull off upset. There are a number of women I think who are legitimate upset makers. Put Dominica Tsibilkova right up near the top of that list. The thing that concerns me with Kerber is playing so many matches last year, and that she has she grinds so. I just wonder if last year is going to impact her this year. And someone like Kuznetsova now drops so low. She always seems to play better when nobody talks about her. There's no expectation. The minute you put anything on her, she seems to crumble a little bit. And now that she is lower, who knows? You know, maybe she's still she's not that old, you know, and no. she's won two majors, you know, and she's been in major finals that she didn't win. I mean, you know, I, I, I think maybe maybe you could see something from her like you saw from Petrova last year where nobody's really talking about it. And she put together a really solid year. 
Nobody's mentioned Sam, Sam Stozer. Does she make the second week? Yes no, or no? Does she, does she make the second round? She make the is a question. Gate, you know? <laughs> okay, it's, it's a no for no, you. I mean, no, it's it, it's tragic actually, and you know you feel you just feel bad for her. You, you know you, you got to stop laughing at some yeah. point and just say you know this is just a she tragic works situation. Her butt off too. She really works hard at it, and it just seems such a mental to me. Kvitova is a big concern because I'm a big fan of her game, and like you said earlier, start off the year two losses. That's not good, especially when you you have an asthma issue and. You're not someone who responds well to heat and humidity. It's not a good formula. You start off 0-2 no matter what league you're in to start the year. Not a good time, especially <laughs> right. especially the number eight ranked player in the world. Um, and well, defending semifinal points as well. You know, Yeah, could tumble year. from that a little bit, of course. Lena needs to win another one, I think, in my opinion. It would be nice to see Lena win another major, get over that hump of being, you know, there are a number of people who have won one major, Ava Maioli, you know, obviously pops sure. to mind and stuff, but it'd be nice to see Lee not win another one. Although it's astounding to me that in her entire career, granted she took a big middle chunk of her career off, Lee Na has won only seven. That's including her win in Sension the other day. She's won only seven tournaments. You put her and Stosa together, Wozniacki's won more titles than the two of them combined, which is pretty mind-blowing when you think, exactly. you know, and Stosa was number one in the world in doubles, too. Yes, we will, um, we will see. Pete Bodo, Richard Pagaro, good to get together. We'll be doing podcasts um, myself with Steve Tegner, who's going to be down in Melbourne, of course, and covering from all of us here throughout the two weeks. Day and night, we have it here. Thanks for listening. Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 